Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, a new industry awards ceremony launched to fill the void left by the Logies, the dumbest programming decision of the year, and will the new rating system change the way we judge success and failure? Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box, and it's about to start. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, wow. What a reaction. Shut it down. Hello there, and welcome to another big edition of the TV Black Box. Joining me is Mulk in lovely lockdown Sydney. Hello, Mulk. Hello, Rob. It's great to see you. It sets a bad precedent when you open with an accent, I just need to say. Uh, and, and hopefully that means it's now made an edit because I talked about it. Welcome to the Sausage Fest. <laughs> Whoa. Indeed. You'll find out why in a moment. Joining us in Perth, where there are no lockdowns but plenty of borders, it's Donald Trumpland. Hello, Aaron. God. <laughs> Pretty much, and we love it like that. It's 4 a.m. in the morning, um, so that's a warning if I don't make sense. I don't have an excuse for any other week, week though. And I am joining you from another border enclosure here on the Gold Coast in sunny Queensland. And so is our special guest who's filling in for Sarah. It's none other than David Robinson live on the Gold Coast. Good morning, everyone. Great Robo, to be here. Yay. Great to see you. And uh, let's get into some good old bloody telly chat. Well, let's do it. And we start with some sad news for the industry with the announcement that the TV Week Logie Awards have been cancelled for another year. COVID-19 lockdowns have made it impossible to ensure the event would go ahead as planned and the decision has been made to start them up again in March 2022. But the team at TV Black Box has decided to fill the void and run an alternative award ceremony this year. On November 28, we will hold a live stream event where we announce the winners of popular voted categories as voted by the readers of TV Black Box. Robbo, I need to be clear, we still support and love the Logies but feel the industry needs to be recognised and there's no guarantee the Logies will go ahead next year. So this is us doing our part in a small way where people can vote for the shows and stars that they want to support. Yeah, look, it's it's so sad that another casualty of cancel culture has oh, taken away our Logie Awards. Uh, <laughs> oh. Is that what's happened? Sorry? Welcome to cancel. Uh, no, no, all jokes aside, I think it's a fantastic thing to do. We all love the Logies. We love Australian television. And it's it's nice to be able to uh, uh, to celebrate that. I think it's sad that there's no alternative 
to doing it uh, officially. So we're going to do it unofficially, but make it even even bigger and better. Uh, I'm excited. What are they called again, Rob? The well, there's there's discussions are ongoing, but the TV Black Box Awards is the official title. But it the depends boxies? on whether we call them the boxes or the boxies. Boxies. Uh, and the gold box goes to. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's too many weird connotations. No, no, no. let's go boxy. Yeah, we'll go boxies, Malk, Um What's important here, look, to be honest, we'd love the networks and the streamers to support this, but it actually doesn't matter if they do or don't. This is for the workers and for the fans. Uh, We are determined to make sure that the industry is recognised and industry achievement is recognised. Yeah, and and a great way to celebrate, you know, some of the good things that we've seen on TV, the people that work both Mm. on screen and behind the scenes, because that's what we appreciate. That's what we love here at TV Black Box. We're all about what goes onto our screens, no matter where we see it or how we find it. Um, And and a great fun way to get people involved. It'll be phenomenal to hear what our listeners and readers think of the categories and, and the nominees and stuff when all of that rolls out. It's really great. It's a shame, and I completely understand why the real event, the Logies. Of course. Um, can't go ahead. And I also acknowledge that in part it's because of Queensland's hard border and COVID is doing difficult things and the Queensland government support is for an actual event. Yeah. Uh, and when, as we talked about when it was first sort of named, shipping everybody up from Sydney and Melbourne to somewhere else to get the event to run is a challenge in itself. Yeah. And during COVID time, quarantine and all of that, I mean, unless they were NRL wives and kids, you wouldn't get them in the state. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole different issue. But, um, Aaron, what will be interesting is we are going to um, allow voting on international categories, but, of course, we're focusing on uh, the Australian industry because that's what we're trying to support here. And one of the things I'm keen to introduce is a category where people can nominate someone who works behind the scenes who isn't an executive, who isn't the creator of a show, but someone who works behind the scenes and contributes to the industry. So I'm really intrigued to see and find out who gets nominated in this category and then we'll be able to pick who the person should be because there's a lot of great people who've been in the industry a lot of years who have contributed in their own small way. I say small, but their impact has probably been a lot bigger than that. And I think this is the kind of thing we do need to recognise. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's nice to show a little bit of uh, warmth and appreciation for the television industry as a whole. But yeah, looking at, at people behind the scenes as well, there's a lot of people that are, that are coming together um, and yeah. like working really hard under these sort of protocols that have to happen and, you know, to get all these shows on air that we're loving at the moment. And I also think it's important... Um, Even if the Logies happen next year, I mean, everyone's going to forget about what happened in 2020 now because, you know, that event was cancelled as well. So it's it's nice to have this time to appreciate what's actually happened in 2020 and 2021. And I can confirm there will be a red carpet. And by that, I mean, we'll look at the fashions from the previous year with our (laughs) experts and and we'll start the we'll start the live stream off by looking at the uh the big fashions that we've seen throughout the year. So uh Nothing I've got a good will come of this. Lots of Susie uh, Element, I think. I've got I've got <laughs> some big plans, people. Some big plans. All like right. you said, lots of Susie Element.
Norman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Channel 10 has decided to pit the Survivor finale up against the final episode of The Voice in what has been described as the dumbest programming decision of the year. The controversial comments were made by our... Oh, our own Aaron Ryan. Uh, (laughs) With The Voice averaging over 1 million Metro viewers per episode, it's an audacious move. Aaron, it was a big statement you made. Talk me through your thinking. Well, look, there are many people that watch The Voice and Australian Survivor and even The Block. They watch one live and catch up on the rest or watch a performance, then switch over and watch an elimination or whatever. What Ten had with the Tuesday finale is what we call free space. No voice on Seven, no room reveal um, episode on The Block. So everyone that usually picks between The Voice and Survivor live just have to watch one show. Plus, casual viewers who like watching finales and all that kind of stuff had free space on Tuesday to watch. That meant that Channel 10 were absolutely going to own the night. They would have had the maximum possible viewership for the finale. Now, being up against the voice finale and the block room reveal will reduce the amount of live viewers that the show will get, as opposed to airing on Tuesday. Uh, There's no doubt at all about that. That means... Um, I guess less satisfaction too for advertisers. They're not going to get the maximum amount of viewers. Also, it creates um, less exposure for the winner. If it was on Tuesday, then the program and the media would have been talking about the Survivor winner and the next day. But now it's all going to be caught up between the voice winner, Survivor winner, and they're not going to have very much, um, I guess, as I said, free space. It's a really, really bad idea. The only benefit I I suspect is why they did this it's because Ten have a big week next week with the Masked Singer and making it, um, and they want a better platform to start that week off. But the pros definitely do not outweigh the cons on this one. Malka, fair analysis? Yeah, it, it's it, it really surprised me to hear that Ten were moving it from Tuesday to Sunday. I mean, I'm all for healthy competition, and normally we and we have seen this kind of toing and froing and moving things around when a network is really backing their show and they think that they can either take the night sort of out of surprise or that they really want to spoil the other thing. And the difficulty for Survivor on 10 is that it's it's done. Probably it's been one of the best series that, that 10 have had on this year as far as ratings go, and mm. certainly it's been a compelling series of the franchise. I've loved it heaps. It's not going to compete with The Voice. It's just not. And it's also not going to compete with a resurgent block. Um, it, it will... It, I think it will have its moment in the sun with its 15-minute winner announced thing, but nothing like The Voice will. Uh, and to that end, I, I agree with Aaron that, you know, maybe they think it's a good way to start off a new week with a whole bunch of new programming. But this is – I cannot fathom the reason that you would break what has been a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday um you know, plan the entire season for Survivor to then shift it to Sunday just for two new programs, which, look, one of them – People are going to watch anyway, and the other one they'll have to test out, and it's not close enough to Sunday for anyone to care. Um, It just is gobsmacking, this decision. So what would success be for Channel 10 here, Malk? Is it uh, 800,000 for that winner block, that 15-minute block? 
if if the, if Survivor ticks over eight hundred, I think that will be its best this season from memory. Mm. Um, so that would be a great result. I think they'd be honestly, you'd be wanting to get nine hundreds, nine fifty, even a million. Dare I say, for the winner announced for a series like they've delivered? Yeah, but I don't see that happening. right? No, it's not going to happen in in that you know, three way kind of vacuum. I've got to say, is this which is a weird sex move? <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask okay. you a follow-up. If is there a lot riding on this week for ten? You got the finale of Survivor. You've got the launch of the Mars Singer, which has been a strong brand. Although, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the ratings were softer for the last season than the season before. And you've got making it. If this all goes to shit. What does it mean for 10? Oh, if it goes pear-shaped, they're in a world of pain. Launching, you know, a returning season and a new franchise, if they don't get any kind of air, um, making it is dead and the Masked Singer will be cast off into, you know, irrelevance. Um, and the difficulty for it is that they don't even have clear air because mm. once the voice finishes, I mean, straight up, um, the Masked Singer is up against uh, SAS Australia. Um, so that Monday, Tuesday battle is going to be a, a big one and the block still continues on in its, you know, marathon run to weirdness. Um, I, I don't, it really will put 10 even more behind the eight ball if, you know, the Survivor finale doesn't achieve above eight, 850, you know, for any part of it. If um, the Masked Singer doesn't come out of the gate with big numbers. And, look, it's a buzzy firework kind of a show. It pops up, it makes a lot of noise, then it buggers off. Um, and that's what they really need it to do is to turn up and make a lot of noise. And I've got to say, it had a brilliant launch promo. I really enjoyed yep. that one they shot out on the streets. I thought that they was They overplayed fantastic. it, but yes. Yeah, sure, but that's what they do. Um I don't know. It's going to be very interesting because I think making it is not going to make it. I think it's going to be a spectacular failure. Uh, Mars Singer, I think, will be soft but okay. So it'll be interesting. I think you're underestimating making it Australia. I, I do agree that it is not a broad appeal franchise, like the biggest, but then 10 will openly say that they're not a broad appeal network. Um, they're going for under 50s, and I think that with Harley and Susie at the front of it, it's a good bit of fun. It's got that bake-off kind so of feel. So craft shows appeal to under-50s, do they? I would have thought that's an over fifty sort of genre. Oh, I'm not saying that it appeals to 18-year-olds, but that's where Harley and Susie are meant to do the heavy lifting and be, you know, as comedians and engaging in, as hosts with, you know, the younger, younger demo. That's what I'm saying. It's not a broad appeal show. I think... I think the industry, remember back when David Mott was going to introduce MasterChef, actually said he was absolutely crazy to bring that out as a franchise. And, in fact, so did some of the people at Channel 10. And that, that became, obviously, a huge hit in its sure. first season. But I'd take your point, though, about making it a craft show. That oh. Interesting, but it, it has got the Masked Singer on the, on the nights before it as a platform. So to give it the maximum choice you know opportunity to to uh to rate i, I love know, the but... u.s version with nick offerman and uh, yeah. amy polar uh and this is with their executive producing blessing so um i think that there's some good bones in the show I, I agree look the challenge for 10 is that they are the distant third network anyway and mm. to to be bringing in a new franchise up against some pretty established stuff at the back end of the year when people are starting to want to get out, you know, daylight savings will kick in in a month in, in 
two, three, four of the states in Australia. It, they're just, if you can't give people a compelling reason to sit down and watch TV, they aren't going to do it. We need to turn our attention to the ratings race for week 36. And Team Red has done it again with a network share of 34.4%, with the Blues coming in second on 26.6. Team Trump was off the pace on a lowly 17.1, but they were ahead of the national broadcaster on 14.9. SBS had 7.1. In primary channels, the placings were the same, although the margin between the Trump lovers and the ABC was much closer, 11.1 to 10.6. Seven Mate was the most popular multi-channel and the Reds won the 16 to 39 and the 25 to 54 demos. The Voice has been one of the biggest shows on TV with every episode above the Magic Million. But the block is coming home strong on the back of the cheating scandal. On Tuesday, News Breakfast beat the Today Show and then on Wednesday, Today tied with Sunrise. So yeah... Make of that what you will. Mock, things are getting very interesting with The Voice finishing up. It really is anyone's game in the coming weeks, I feel. I I, I reckon there's a chance for everyone to pounce. Yeah, and, I, I, well, everyone if they're seven and nine. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the – I want to just hark back to a conversation we had probably two months ago where I said that I think the way this year is going to go is that one channel will win primary and one channel will win network. And I think we're absolutely skating towards that. Mm. Um, uh, it's interesting, you know, because we're – and we will dive into the the minutiae of ratings analysis and the rest of it later in the show, I appreciate. Um, the block is – and remember, we have to talk about last week's block. It was getting better, and there was lots of leading into the, this cheating scandal that was coming. Um, oh, no, that was the cheating scandal last week, wasn't it? Jesus. That did huge things for nine. The Voice killing it for seven. The Paralympics were doing, you know, on and off pretty good business on seven, mate, which yeah. really boosted their um, their network share. So that even then, when uh, there were nights where nine and seven were close in primary channel, seven's network was out of the just out of the ballpark because uh, of the extra effort that the Paralympics were doing for them, and rightly so, to be fair. Um, the game continues to be curious because if we have a look at total people for shows last week, right, Seven News, The Voice, they are all big numbers doing all sorts of things. I'm just talking Five City Metro, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you flip over to 25 to 54s, it's The Block, The Block, The Voice, The Block, The Block. Yeah. Right? So this... Key demo thing is still really important in the mix and will play out in who determines who won the year, whether it's total people, national figures, or the all-important demos. Well, I have been pretty harsh the last few weeks with the block. I mean, I obviously stand by my comments about the block's previous performance. I said they they have been used to being the number one non-news show of the night and they're dropping as far as 12th for the night. But Tuesday and Wednesday last week, the block returned to being the number one show of the night outside of the news. Now, I don't even need to look at the actual figures because we know that free-to-air audience has declined over the years um, on linear. It's about where nine are placed and the block is back to where they want to be. On Sunday, it was only beaten by The Voice by literally a handful of viewers, mm. not even that. So Nine and The Block, welcome back. <laughs> will, it, will it sustain when, when SAS returns The Masked Singer? I don't know, but I think it actually has good momentum and actually probably will continue. It sounds like the cheating scandal is going to continue through um, for you know a good part of the season. Um, I think we all expected Seven would win last week with The Voice and the AFL Finals. Um, I do have, if you're interested, the, the year-to-date uh, figures for survey. that Always exclude... interested in those figures, Aaron? 
Yeah, this excludes the two weeks of Easter and the two weeks of the Olympic Games Is this well. only commercial share or is this across the board? Commercial share. So if we have a look at the total people figures, um, excluding Easter and the Olympic Games, uh, 739.2% and 937.2%. So there's an exact 2% difference. Network 10 way back on 236 25 to 54, 9 is in front, 37% to 7 on 35.1%. So that's all, almost 2 points. And 10 back on 27.9 or Trump or whatever we're calling them. <laughs> uh, people 16 to 39 uh, seven is now in front. Last week they were just behind. Now they're just in front. Thirty-five point five to thirty-five point three for nine and ten on twenty-nine point two. And in the good old under fifties, it looks like nine is still in front. Thirty-six point seven, seven second at thirty-five point eight, and the undisputed under fifties is in third spot at twenty-five, twenty-seven point five percent. So almost getting towards 10 points behind. Huge gap. Huge gap. Are they, to- sorry, I missed it, Aaron, are they total people figures or are they national, like including regional figures? So I try to keep all of this as, as the normal stuff. So this is Metro, it's overnight, it's, yep, survey, cool. it's survey, not calendar, and it's, uh, yeah, that's The old that's everything. survey year, cheapers. <laughs> yes, and if we're looking at the survey year now, so 15 weeks for seven, 11 weeks for nine. All right, despite a record number of viewer complaints, including from Meghan Markle, UK's media watchdog has ruled that Piers Morgan's criticism of the Duchess of Sussex on ITV's Good Morning Britain did not breach the broadcasting code. Now, i got to say, Robbo, I love this ruling by Ofcom. He hosted a show where he was paid to give opinions. He did nothing wrong. He gave an opinion. Just because Meghan didn't like it doesn't mean she gets to have control of our television wow. screens. Correct. Wow. I, I, No, I totally agree with this. This is the thing. Uh, Piers Morgan was not a brand new talent that was untested in the marketplace. We knew exactly what he was and they brought him in to be Piers Morgan, didn't they? And yep. so he did exactly what his job was. I think this is very powerful. I think this is important for industries around the world that uh, you can give a robust, strong opinion uh, and, and that should be, well, respected. Everyone can have their opinion. He shouldn't have been cancelled. And I hate saying that word. He um, wasn't cancelled. Fuck. He no, was, no, but, he was but, pushed but, by fellow presenters he was, because he dared challenge I know the this. princess extraordinaire who yes. is allowed to use the media for her own gains. But if she ever gets called out, heaven forbid, she he must be sent to the docks off with his head. Can I, I agree ask with you this. a question he, before, he, Rob he, gets, before Rob gets out of hand, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> don't know, go ahead, Molly. As an Australian TV podcast, why do we care about this? Because I think it sends an important lesson that we all need to Ofcom think about. Ofcom have nothing to do with us. Ah, but it's a watchdog over the media. And what I like about the this English issue, media. Yes. It's a very different I, market to who we are, mate. We should be talking about ACMA's ruling over stuff, and we know how toothless they are. <laughs> a toothless hang tiger, on, I was about to say that, exactly. Hang, hang on a second. The reason I included this in the rundown, because I do think it's important, because we now live in a culture where if someone doesn't like what you say, they try to get you cancelled. 
What I like about this ruling is it says you are allowed to have opinions. Now, yes, I agree that if there is misinformation about health issues, different story altogether. But having an opinion on whether the Duchess was lying or telling porky pies or having a tanty on Oprah's interview is fair and legitimate criticism. Fair and legitimate. Now, I don't think he handled himself when he walked off that set, when he got challenged, but there's no doubt to me that said there was a lot of pressure behind the scenes going on and the man snapped because he was getting pushed back from executives. Because it translates to what we do here. Every time there is an opinion people disagree with... I agree with this. Put them on Sky News at night. That's what we do. Sorry? Every time we have an opinion that we disagree with, we put it on Sky News at night and everyone loves it. Then we target the advertisers. Look, the the fact is that... As, what- as people are right to do. Like, I understand what you're saying and in a UK news context, it's important. The, the complaint was made. They found that Piers can do and say what he wants and he can be a horrible human. Great. Like that's no, kind that's, of it. That's not what they ruled. They ruled that he did nothing wrong in this instance because he gave fair criticism to a public figure. He and can do I and think say what he the wants. lesson for Australia is that we can do that here too without everyone, you know, getting their panties in a knot. Actually, that- we can't, Rob. And that's the point of what ACMA is meant to be. You can't offer um, criticism that you think is fair unless it is actually fair. And the, the difficulty around this is you can't compare apples to oranges, the UK media and their stuff to our stuff. It is most not the our, same. It's most not, of a, it's our not a global... laws transcend from the UK anyway. Even our free TV Mate, a long campaigns time ago. are like all it's based 2021. on the UK. Our, our media code was based off the UK. To, sure. It's disingenuous to say that it has no relevance here. The fact is we have a lot of panel shows with a lot of opinions, but I'm just using this case to make the point that there is room for opinions without networks and executives getting worried about the repercussions from people who don't even watch those shows. And it's never stopped them. They still, we still have panel shows. It's not like panel shows stopped in Australia because executives were worried about people saying the wrong thing. We still have them. They still have people on to talk hot button issues on all of the breakfast programs, on all of the places that we can get people in people's faces on TV. It hasn't stopped us. Cancel I, I just thought it was an interesting ruling and, and look, I'm happy to cut this out if you want me oh, to. No, I'm happy for you to keep it in. I just think that for what we're trying to talk about, if it was, uh, and I'm, I'm pulling a hypothetical here, oh, if, if Carl said something about someone and they made a complaint and ACMA upheld either the complainant's thing or said actually no, Carl's allowed to, you know, make his, crit- it was fair criticism, blah, blah, blah. Everyone gets on with their life and there's a little bit of a thing and it's done, right? It's, it, the, the challenge in this is that if we were a UK TV podcast, it's probably got some balls. Um, if we're an Australian TV podcast, other than it's Piers Morgan and Meghan Markle, there's nothing to it. Well, if we're talking about ACMA, I think I'm going to take mocked to ACMA for not allowing Rob to have his free speech about Piers Morgan <laughs> in the UK. <laughs> I look forward to that. Well, it was interesting. Well, this will get us into something Australian because we're recording very early Tuesday morning and yesterday we saw the media inquiry um, where uh, ACMA, was, ACMA was basically asked, uh, what exactly is the point of view? You know, um, and it was interesting. And I really have to follow this up because Kevin Rudd, during his testimony, said that 
he asked ACMA why they didn't investigate Sky News over the videos that were taken down off YouTube because they were yes. broadcast on um, the regional feed of... Free-to-air television, yeah. Free-to-air television. And ACMA said they don't have the power to instigate investigations. But that... And if I heard Kevin Rudd correctly, and I haven't gone back to the tape yet, but the fact is they can. Uh, what happened on Studio 10 was due to a producer error, Rob Lowe's penis was shown on that old Studio chestnut. 10. That's what he calls it, by the way, too, that old chestnut. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and but there was one complaint. We dealt with the complaint as per the process of ACMA. The sure. complainant yeah. came to us. Um, we responded. And they were actually happy with what we said because we took full responsibility. But ACMA said due to the nature of the complaint, they opened their own investigation off their own bat and we were found guilty and, you know, uh, but they accepted what, they accepted it was a genuine mistake. Human no error. one meant to put yeah. Rob Lowe's penis to air. And uh, so, you know, we we made sure people knew to do the right thing. I mean, everyone knew. It was one of those things. <laughs> people know not to put a penis to air. It was a mistake. I mean, do they? Have you seen Netflix recently? <laughs> um, so my point being that if they have told Kevin Rudd that they can't open investigations, in, unless it has changed since that incident, I know for a fact they can open their own investigations. So yes, of course they can. I think there's a story there. If, oh, if I heard Kevin Rudd correctly. I, I haven't seen any of the Senate inquiry footage, and I even missed the news last night, so I'm really disappointed in myself as a TV nerd. The challenge that has remained, I think, since the dawn of ACMA's time is that even when they do, you know, find that somebody's done something wrong, the wet piece of lettuce that they throw at them as a, as a you know, do better or whatever is largely pointless. Yeah. You know, yes, the industry jumps up and down and there'll be a bit of noise about it and so on and so forth. But if the networks just refuse to pay it, as they have done in the past... Yeah. Oh, it's, no it's, it's, it's I, I completely agree with you. It's, I've always thought that the ACMA was absolute rubbish. Uh, they get millions and millions and millions of dollars of our dollars every year to perform duties that are, that basically amount to a strongly worded letter, uh, that also fills in a few column inches of newspapers, uh, and maybe a, a brief mention from a competitor about the other person's, you know, the other network's problems. Yes. Uh, but in the end of the day, you're right. If if, if people just go, oh, we're not, we're not doing if, if, if The seven network says I'm not doing it. Okay. So what? No. Uh, but no, 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 no. I know you're about to say that they can then pull the broadcast license and everything. They're not going to do that. No yeah, government is going to take away the broadcast license. They don't pay for license it now. What are they going to do? That's right. They're not going to do this. ACMA is and has always been a waste of money and a waste of time. Let me say, though, as someone... Hello to all our friends at ACMA who are listening. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm actually going to defend ACMA because at no point on any of the networks I've worked at and any of the shows when there has been a complaint have people just gone, that's only ACMA, who cares? It's a PR mm -hmm. thing, Rob. It's not an actually... They're not worried about it. There, no, there's no, no worry about it. that's not true, Rob. Oh, I don't believe that because I've okay. had experience I, I with ACMA as well. I can only based on my interactions with executives when these issues have come up. And I can only talk to you about my interactions with ACMA in regards to uh, breaches uh, in my yeah. performance. Um, 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is the conversations happening behind closed doors at executive levels, when these things come into play, it is taken seriously. It's now, a I know PR everyone. Problem. That's, that's what, what, I, that's what I'm saying as well. It's a PR problem. It's they, not they a PR problem. Like, seriously, it, yes, partly PR, but people do in the industry, the executives, the classification officers, and the people involved in dealing with ACMA take this stuff seriously. Now, I know that. You all make a joke that it's like being hit with a wet lettuce leaf. I, I get that. But they can actually revoke a licence. Now, can ACMA go harder? And probably. I, I, I'm not Should arguing that ACMA point. go harder? All I'm arguing yes. here, all I'm articulating here mm. is that within the industry, at executive levels, ACMA are not seen as a joke and they are taken seriously. And when there is an adverse finding handed down, it is taken seriously. I was genuinely worried about the Rob Lowe thing. Sure. Ken was genuinely, genuinely worried about the Rob Lowe thing. You know, it is the kind of thing that can get a license revoked or an a penalty um, put or a penalty imposed. So the idea that the industry don't care about ACMA is, is is actually just not true. Now, I accept all the criticism that maybe they are a toothless tiger to from a public PR perception, but I just want to say that within the industry, that's not exactly how they're seen. And and the difficulty, I think, is, Rob, but not without wanting to discount your, Rob, your experience, Rob's experience, you know, when you're in the bubble... Mm. It's real, right? This is the ACMA are, are, are police. They're the police. Yep. They're the cops that have turned up and told you more than shut down the party. You're in real trouble. It, it will take, given the current powers and, and expense that ACMA have right now, all it will take is one network executive to go. We don't care. But they we can't care. because they literally, if you if push they came can to shove, ACMA can revoke your license. And mate, what are they going to do? Oh well, our streaming service or our online broadcast service. We'll just keep doing that. Until oh, yeah. this you, has worked you, out, you we'll really keep doing think that. that any network wants to lose their free to air license at Mate, this stage? Mate, it would be one hell of a, a lawsuit for that to play out because right now they don't pay for their license. What are you taking away? Ability to broadcast? Quite frankly, we've got all of the infrastructure. We'll find another frequency. The internet can deli- <laughs> the, the future of this is turning off those bloody towers and streaming the stuff anyway. Oh, uh, yes, it is, but it's too early to make that move. The revenue loss, you would. You would take a massive hit. And how close have ACMA come to revoking anybody's license? Like, literally, you can stand on this side of the country and look to Perth and the gap is that wide. There is no... There's always the threat. I acknowledge it 100%. But that's all it is. Because ACMA... Let's be frank. ACMA are not ever going to revoke a network's license because... All yeah, of the people I, I who run the networks are way too much in bed with the politicians to let that happen. I think I think people um, just think that they're weak because when you look at a story online about an ACMA investigation, you know at the bottom of the article it's going to say, we accept that the network is going to participate in staff training and therefore no further action is required. That is at the bottom of every single ACMA investigation. Now, talking about ACMA, uh, part of ACMA and part of the broadcasting rules in Australia is that each network has to produce uh, a certain number of hours of, tele- of children's television programming. Had to, mm-hmm. yes, uh, and that they were forced to, and that was part of their license. And then, uh, well, I think in 2020, Seven said, oh, we're not doing that now. Uh, we just refused to do it. And there was no kickback from ACMA 
for that? Uh, well, a couple of things there. I, at the time I reported, I reckon Seven knew what was coming with changes and what was going to happen, the rule, the softening of the rules due to the pandemic and going further anyway because there was a big um, code of practice rewrite happening, you know, the... Um, but shouldn't that have come from ACMA, not from Seven? No, no, shouldn't but they have Seven had already... After ACMA announced it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Which is fine, guys, but... Seven had already fulfilled their quota for the year, I think you'll find, and didn't actually need to do anything and knew they had space that if they stopped now and if they had to come back to it, they could. Now, look, I, I'm not here to speak for Seven. Sure. I don't know all this for fact. This is me um, uh, using logic here to try and guess what Welcome happened. I don't know this for a fact, but that's my take on it. And fair, Rob. All right. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches this week with Robbo. Robert, thank you. The ABC has apologised to former Senator Corey Bernardi for airing allegations by Green Senator Sarah Hanson-Young in the ABC series Misrepresented about alleged creepy behaviour. Bernardi has strongly denied all allegations. The ABC has issued a correction on its website and apologised for not giving him the right of reply. Foxtel has released its 2021-2023 Innovate Reconciliation Action Plan. The plan aims to showcase the voices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and help shape a national culture that values respect, equality and equity for First Nations peoples. Still with Foxtel, today the company has released information about their new IQ5 set-top box, a whole new design making for a smaller footprint. The IQ5 is Foxtel's first unit to function entirely using satellite or streaming to deliver content equally, as revealed by TV Black Box's Kevin Perry in June. All content will be available in 4K ultra high definition. Steve Titmus has joined Amanda Abate to present Seven News Gold Coast weekdays at 5.30pm. An accomplished journalist with more than 30 years experience, Titmus joined the Seven News team in the 1990s as a sports reporter in Adelaide. He later moved to Tasmania where he presented the news for Southern Cross, taking the bulletin to number one in the ratings. And Willard Scott, who forecast the weather for NBC's Today show for more than three decades, has died aged 87. Scott worked at NBC for 65 years. And Robert, that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Robbo. A very fine job. Coming up in just a moment, will the new rating system change the way we judge success and failure? And we find out what everyone has been watching over the past week. You're listening to TV Black Box. 
in the world of ratings. And for those that, that want to dabble in it, I'll try and draw in those that aren't super aware just to keep you up to speed. Every morning, uh, we get a bunch of reports from OzTam, which is the national body that reports on the five capital cities, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth. Who watched what? How many people watched it? That kind of thing. Now, in that reporting, in that functionality, what we get is the total people and the demos for the primary channel. So we find out in that 16 to 39, 25 to 54 is, but overall, how many people watched programs? How many people watched what on multi-channels? We get the network share from 6 p.m. to midnight, and then we get the subscription television numbers, which somewhat ironically is a national figure. Um, so that's drawn straight out of Foxtel. Those numbers come out of a highly panelled group of people, about 4,000 households, that allow us to, to split and know who's watching what and doing all of those sorts of things. And thanks to magical people that understand math, are extrapolated then to represent what the, the whole nation's watching. That's the ratings. That's what we live or die on. And that's certainly what networks, when they sell to advertisers, lean on really heavily when they're talking about who's going to do what and those sorts of things. Coming from Monday, uh, sorry, even before we get to coming from Monday, this year, OzTam launched a new thing called Virtual Oz, which is an acknowledgement that people don't just watch linear broadcast TV. And I hear people already shouting, I don't watch linear broadcast TV. Um, but because people are now watching it in other ways, particularly streaming, BVOD, that kind of thing, that they want to include those figures into to get us the full picture of what it looks like for an episode of The Voice or what's happening with um, The Block, that kind of thing. Uh, fires, uh, sorry, RFDS or, or The Newsreader. So Virtualize exists and we get a weekly report that is, uh, it's a week later. So it includes what they call the consolidated seven figures, which are people in those Oztam households that have watched a recording of the show, including the ads and not fast-forwarding. <coughs> Don't believe that's it. a rule around... Yeah, I know, but that's Oztam's official ruling. The, so it's the overnight figures, the catch-up seven-day figures, and the regional figures. So not just Metro, they're also adding in regional TAM, which is a separate whole company. They're adding in the regional figures as well, and they're adding in the broadcast video on-demand numbers. So the people that might have watched any of those programs via the appropriate catch-up service. Dave, David might jump in and go, I watched The Voice on 7 Plus. Well done, David. Those figures get counted towards this uh, VOZ number. So as an example, uh, Aaron, please correct me. I think that The Voice on Sunday night most recently did 1,038,000 or something, or 88,000, I think it was, five-city metro. Um, and then when you add in regionals, it pushed up to like 1.8 or nearly 2 million viewers, right? That's just the overnights. What Voz will tell us um, is that in a week and a bit's time, when they give us the overall week's view, actually, in seven days, there were another 250,000 people that watched The Voice, so that bumps the number up a little bit further. Um, and then there was uh, another 200,000 people that watched it via 7 Plus, and that bumps up the figures. Um, so it means that the overall number just gets bigger, which is great from the TV network's point of view because they want to point out that there are a lot more people watching TV than the overnights suggest. And there really are, based on streamers and catch-ups and things. The biggest change is that while Voz is a weekly report, every day from Monday, of, of course, for the night before, um, we will get a new metric. So we get our... Um, 
primary channel figures, we get our multi-channel figures, the the nightly share and the subscription television report. We'll now also get the daily consolidated seven total TV program rankings, which is essentially the overnight Vols numbers. So it will be the regional numbers, sorry, the overnight numbers for Five City Metro plus the regional numbers consolidated seven, so seven days later who caught up on it, showing the uplift from last week, and then you'll also get the BVOD numbers rolled into it. It is all displayed in a tabular form, so you can break down and see who did what and who had the biggest boost. Um, and that's really critical in this because it's not just about, um, you know, oh, but the voice only got a you know 20% uplift. Mate, 20% on 2 million viewers is a lot of people, um, as opposed to, for example, the newsreader. And we've seen some sample data and some real reports coming out um, from, uh, you know, uh, Oztam already. They've been publishing this data for some time now. The thing we're seeing from this Oztam data is that particularly dramas get a massive uplift, you know, a week later, because lots of us are not watching it live. We're watching our catch up or we're recording it to watch it later. Um, I do need to add into the mix of this that when they have the BVOD numbers, the people that have streamed it, whether it's live or on catch up, they have an additional metric where they have now through scientific magical mathematics worked out that in the grandest scheme, it's never usually just one person watching. So they do acknowledge that when you watch the voice on your big screen TV on catch up, you're probably watching it with other people. Um, but they can't they can't tell physically who's in the room. So they're making it a scientific estimated guess. Uh, and it's about a 1.8 metric. So instead of just assuming there's one person, they basically work on the theory there's 1.8 people on average. Yeah, I think that's watching fair. A catch- it's not unreasonable because, like I said, mm. you can't tell who's actually there, unlike... Uh, you know, the magical Oztan box where you can, you know, uh, in and look, theory. Regarding the Oztan box, we should point out you do input how many yes, people are to... watching. So the Oztan box is actually um, closer to the actual truth of who's watching. And we actually have a report on that. If you Google um, ratings box plus TV black box, I'm sure you'll find that article where or I just search the TV home. black box website. Sorry? Or just search the TV black box website. Oh, okay. Well, that's a smarter way to do it, and I'll start doing that. Um, <laughs> God. All that effort for um, search function. Because we have a story. I visited a home with a ratings box, and just it was interesting to hear how things are done from that perspective, which adds on to what you're saying here, Mike. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and look, I do, I do want to sort of, as a postscript, put into this that ratings are both incredibly interesting and really dull. They're just numbers. They have so much sway over the success of your TV show, the thing that you love or the network that you watch because, mate, networks live or die by those numbers. Mm. The critical thing for those – now, I'm speaking to all the ratings nerds. The big change beyond getting this extra new metric and getting a whole bunch more information about what happened a week ago um, is that Oztam are getting all of us to sign new agreements, which mean that every morning the ratings are embargoed until 10 a.m. We can't publish the overnight figures until 10 a.m. However, their Con 7 total TV program rankings can be published as soon as we get them. So what, <laughs> It's what like Oztam, they want us to put a figure out and then worry about the overnights, but do you see that playing out, Mark? Um, well, what we're we've sort of trying to work this out at TV Black Box is that we produce the ratings in two ways. We just put the raw data out there. Here's the, the picture of the, the ratings, 
knock yourself out reading to it what you will, which we will do as soon as we're allowed to do. And the total TV one will land first. And then the the other overnights will come a bit later. And then we do an analysis post that I'll work my ass off on every morning, helping yep. try and decode what all of this means. Um, it's going to add in a couple of paras about the total TV stuff. What's the stuff that's making noise all? You know, here's the show that had the biggest uplift on last week. Um, and trying to help understand what this means. Understandably, all of the TV networks and Oztam and um, 7, 9, and 10 are equal co-owners of Oztam. Um, so just behind the eight ball friends, they own the thing that tells us what their things are. Um, <laughs> the, the ABC and SBS are included out of gentility. The, the, the important thing is that getting these figures, they want that total TV number to be the one that we talk about. And we will mention it. We will include it in the reports. It's going to be really difficult to want to get excited about a show last week. Mm. I'm happy to be proven wrong. And I think as we mm. continue to push this data out, some of the narrative will shift. And trust me, particularly 7, 9, and 10 will be banging on our doors to make sure that we front foot, that we talk about those Con 7 total TV numbers uh, ahead of everything else because that's the bigger number by far. Because straight away, it's not just the overnights which are only 5-city metro. It's Oztam 5-city metro plus regional TAM plus broadcast video on demand, BVOD numbers, which straight away, you know, in some cases puts a 20, 30, 40% uplift before we add in consolidated seven figures. Mm. So it is, it's a real thing. This is actually coming to us and this is what it'll be. You can choose to ignore it or choose to sort of adopt it and go, this is a thing. I can't see us on a day-to-day basis talking about the total TV numbers because they're last week. However, it will shape and change how we talk about the success of a series because I think these are the numbers that we actually need to look into when we look back on, for example, The Voice, or when we look back on The Block. Dramas or specifically. Dramas particularly, mate. And as a great example, um, I, I made a sort of comment before that, you know, that The Voice might get a 20% uplift, you know, in those con seven figures. 20% of $2 million is a reasonable amount of cash. Um, for the newsreader on the ABC, it got a 56% uplift in these Con 7 total TV Mm. figures. Now, it's only coming off 500,000 viewers, but 56%, you know, and then add in all of the BVOD and stuff, that's over a million viewers nearly for for a drama on Sunday night that people are poo-pooing because it's only getting 500K. Like, that's the difference that this sells, and this is the importance for the network because we know now TV is not it happens and it's gone. You know, ever since the glorious JVC VCR, it's hung around a little <laughs> bit longer. And now that they all have streamers, uh, so they're, you know, seven plus and, and nine services. now and stuff, the life of particularly dramas stretches much, much longer. Um, there are going to be less people that are hanging around and, you know, BVOD catch up the voice. But there will be lots that watch it as that's the primary way they watch it. Drama, absolutely, this is a huge boost for them and should be reasonable enough for them and us to shout about because it means that here's actually how many people are watching it. And we've, while we've been getting consolidated seven figures for a couple of years now, it has always felt like, you know, last week's fish and chip wrapping. Um, But because we have to acknowledge that the way we watch TV has shifted so significantly, particularly in 2020 and 2021, uh, we can't not include those numbers. We, we can't ignore them. We have to keep looking at this and understanding it and talking about it. 
Yeah, look, I, I think this is a great evolution for the industry, but the simple fact is overnights are still very important because it shows the excitement for a yep. program. So, you know, there was some discussions about getting rid of overnights or not making them publicly available. I'm glad, Oztem, having yep. gone down that, that's a Agreed. big tick. One thing I just can't believe is, and my bullshit detector goes off, it, it, it breaks, it, the needle goes so far it starts spinning around, is this idea that they only count um, uh, broadcast video on demand, like if you record it on your IQ or your fetch, they will only record that as a view if you watch the whole thing with ads. Nobody who records anything watches the ads. I refuse to believe there would be like one person called Gladys who lives in um, Glennondale who <laughs> might do that because her son sets it up and while, she, while he goes off to work and she's at home, she's watching it on replay. That's the only way this would happen because she doesn't know how to use the fast-forward remote. My in-laws, before there was digital recorders would record everything on VHS and re-watch it later so that they could fast forward the ads. I refuse to believe there are enough people in this country watching the entire program with ads. I I'm sorry, I just cannot believe. I know it's Oztem's official um, position that that's the only ones yep. they count. I just simply don't believe it. It's not based in reality. And, and I think that it's fair to be sceptical about it, Rob, because you're right, how many people record a program and then sit there and watch the ads? Um, the, the, the challenge is, and this is a, a little bit of secondhand... Well, I don't mind the fact that they include those figures. Just sure. don't say that it's only counted if they watch all the ads. Sure, I, because but, but this is what it. I was going to get to. It's a little bit inside baseball, and this is my understanding, is the way that the Oztam box work is that it actually analyzes the audio signal that comes in. So they can actually tell how long you watched the program for and what part of it even that you watched for because um, yep. they need to be able to know that. So they can tell if you have fast-forwarded the ads or you haven't fast-forwarded the ads, um, and that, you know, leads to the Oz 10 position that we only included. If it look, if they do only include it with that, it would be amazing to know how many people are watching programs that they've recorded that they jump through the ads on, right? Imagine what number that looks like and imagine how much 7, 9, and 10 would be at Oz 10 to say, no, 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 you've got to include those figures. All right. Now it's time to find out what everyone's been watching this week. Aaron, let's start with you. Uh, sure. I've been loving the newsreader and Rose Haven on ABC. Um, also, I don't want to obviously start a discussion topic now, but maybe for another time. But um, I wonder how much, you know, the talent in a show gets you to watch the show as opposed to the show itself. And what I mean by that is, like, Liz Hayes is uh, one of my favourite presenters and I watch Under Investigation each week and it's a great show. But I wonder if I'd actually watch that show if it was hosted by someone else. I Actually, to be honest, I probably wouldn't. Mm. Um, so... I, I just find that interesting that it's, there's a few shows that I watch purely out of the out of the presenter. I mean, the show obviously still has to be good. But uh, anyway, uh, I've got to say, talking to her on TV Black Box last week was a bit of a thrill. Uh, I was a little bit fanboyish. Yeah, <laughs> we could tell. I know. <laughs> love, love her too. But yeah, I mean, if it was hosted by someone else from 60 Minutes, I probably wouldn't watch the show. I'm just really intrigued by Liz Hayes. And, you wouldn't and watch a fellow West Australian Liam Bartlett? Oh, possibly, <laughs> maybe. Actually, I can't think of anyone from 60 Minutes I wouldn't watch. And I tell you who will be the next big thing to get the primetime series. It will be Alison Langdon. Uh, I think 
She's been great on 60 Minutes. I think she brings out the best in Carl. She has on today, she, you mean. she knows how to work him. And I think I think I reckon ultimately she'll become Australia's Barbara Walters as she gets older and the more she does, I think she you're all looking at me weirdly like this That's is. That's the weird Patented thing to say. McKnight kiss of death, friends. <laughs> I'm kidding, Rob. It's okay. I'm saying that when you look at all the people her age, I think, you know, Nat Barr is also a standout, but I think Nat Barr might be a little bit older than Alison Langdon. But I just see something in Ali that, um, you know, she's written books. uh, She has been a reporter on 60 Minutes. She's actually got some real chops. She's got a comedic side. Uh, maybe she'll have some big talk show or something. I don't know, but I, I reckon this is a lady who will has shown she's got a very big future ahead of her. She Sorry, barely to go on a settled tangent. in on the Today Show, and you're all ready to get her out of it. Well, I'm ready to promote her already. Yes. <laughs> well, <Sorry>. what, else, <laughs> what else I've been watching? Um, well, there's a new show out that's starting this week called Australia's Sexiest Tradie. Now, there's a couple of people that say Jesus that I'm Aaron. that I'm um, seven. Get centri- a boyfriend. Yeah, well, <laughs> change it's on, channels. It, it's on seven, mate. So a few people say I'm seven centric. So I'm going to say this is the greatest show that you'll ever watch. But if, but if I was being uh, down the middle, I would say that this is not very good. It's uh, it's it's I kind think of the bar- hint is in the title, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they show it after that fat pizza show, you know, so it's supposed to be a bit of silly ochre Australian stuff, but it, it's it's okay, but it, it's it's no, it's not. It's, it's it's pretty terrible actually, but it's yeah, so there's that one um The Voice Australia um obviously I've been watching they they're down to the final four. I I disagree with two of their choices. I think that the the um brother and sister combo they both got eliminated which i think was uh terrible but anyway also uh sas australia i just there's something about this show it's just powerful stuff it's it's really about putting your ego aside um and and just going within yourself to get through this stuff mentally and it's it's really full-on it's actually hard to watch um you know so i I, this is not going to be one of those 1.3 million type shows because i think it's really hard for some people to actually watch this show it's it's really full-on a lot of swearing a lot of yelling um but it's it's really really good um and that's obviously starts next monday and also transfixed aaron i was transfixed by the first season of sas australia I, i was expecting it to be too torture porny um and look, there were some things where it was a bit, it's a bit hard to watch, but it was pretty amazing TV. The challenge for any second season, and I'm not saying that this is not, that SAS Australia won't overcome this. The challenge for any second season is that we know what's coming. We don't know the, the people's stories and we don't know those, but we know the format. We know what that's going to be about. And, and that those stories are really going to have to be compelling because as I said, you've got this firework of a show in The Masked Singer, which they're running in a three week block. It is done. Um, eight, nine, ten episodes, it's out of here. And I don't know if, I'm not going to say ten are going to beat it, but I just don't know how much of its audience are going to, of the audience are going to prefer it because it's light, fun and fuzzy versus, as you say, the heavy going of SAS Australia for a second season. I think how it affects the different celebrities is is different enough to watch. Like, 
the first episode, I mean, obviously all the celebrities are in the first episode, but Manu in particular, very interesting Oof. to watch. But Manu, like we know what he's like off screen and you have to, you can't be mucking around and being silly silly for that. And the interaction between him and Mark Philippoussis is actually quite very interesting and quite funny. Um, but it's, yeah, the different type of celebrities and how it affects them um, and how they act outside their persona, like Dan Ewing, um, you know, being an actor, what he's like in... Uh, in there, it's actually quite different to watch um, different celebrities. So I'm all, all on board for that. And also, I've watched um, the finally the, the three out of the six episodes of Back to the Rafters, which is coming to Amazon. Let me say, if you liked Back to the Rafters, this doesn't miss a beat. It's like no time has passed. Um, and I can say, if you've got an elderly parent or know someone that is suffering from dementia, you're able to relate to Michael Caton's Ted character. It is really actually powerful stuff. You'll need tissues um, at the ready, folks. It's it's a really really good season i have chatted to bevan lee the creator um and we'll be chatting to uh eric thompson shortly so we'll have that podcast up but it's really really good back to the rafters that's awesome how does the jessica murray replacement go because my wife has expressed um doubts about watching it because she's not in it uh look I actually was talking with Bevan on the podcast about that. I remember, you know, when they swapped the Pippers in Home and Away. I mean, I yes, thought, I never, I never liked the second Pipper. <gasps> yeah, wow. I, I, you are I, harsh, McKnight. I thought, you know, at the time it was outrageous, but now when you look back, the only Pipper that I, I think of as Pippa is Deborah Lawrence, which is the second no. one. So I think you kind of get Deborah Lawrence is great, and I grew to love her, but the I, I, I as a viewer, I just could never accept an actor. It's like the multiple Lucys on Neighbours. You know, it was always really weird. Just. Uh, that's the kind of hard-hitting opinion you tune into TV Black Box for. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, I grew to love many of the lo- Lucys. I did get over it, but as a viewer, Doesn't I just like never it. liked yeah, the was, idea uh, of replacing the actors. Yeah. I just didn't. I think, as Bevan was saying, it was about keeping. I mean, they because uh, Jessica Moray's character actually sort of left to go to LA at uh, in season the, the previous season, so they could have done the, the show without her. But being a family, there's that their important mother daughter um you know the 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 mother-daughter relationship that that was really important and yeah you do see in the show she's she it it, i I think it is okay it it does feel weird but six years have passed so it's not quite as bad as you know in home in a way where they replace someone literally Mm. on monday and then tuesday it's somebody else so i think i think we'll get used to it that way but it it was Okay. okay interesting um, I've got to say, Mulk, thank you for your recommendation. I do like hearing recommendations from the team because I have been watching Kevin Can F Himself. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say... On Amazon Prime Video? On Amazon Prime Video. I was a little bit sketchy on the first episode, but sure. I've really grown into it. It's a step, and isn't it, to work out how you feel about the sitcom to not sitcom yeah. stuff. It's jarring. Yeah, I've got to say, Annie Murphy has done a spectacular job transitioning from Shit's Creek into this series as an actress. Yes. Very, very smart move. And I really am taken with the storyline, the progression of the characters. And uh, no spoilers, be, already season two called. Yeah, but it would be very interesting to see if Kevin ever turns the sitcom off. Yeah, and well, maybe. Well, there's so much opportunity in that, but given the through line that's coming and you're get yet to get there, what mm. season two is going to be about is going to be very, very interesting. 
Okay, well, I look forward to finishing season one. Um, I saw the Jungle Cruise on the weekend. Even though Disney have given me access on Premier Access, we went to the movies and the watched what? it, which we can do in yes, <laughs> which we can do in Queensland. So tell me again why you want us to open the border. Um, but anyway, <laughs> you can keep your sickness up there, mate. Um, it, it, it's a great movie. Really enjoyed it. Look, it's not a world changer or anything like that, but the storyline is great. The way it is true to the ride is fantastic. The Rock is brilliant. I really, really enjoyed this movie so much I'm going to go back and watch it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, again, I just really, really liked just it. Just before you move on, Rob, it's actually this highlights a really interesting move, right? In the in the bad old days before COVID, um, when a movie appeared at the cinema, it was like a ninety day, sometimes even a hundred and twenty mm. day window before it got out of the cinemas and became available um, to buy on DVD, and then started to pop up to to buy via your Apple or Google stores. Um, with COVID, that window has closed significantly, like really, really significantly, yeah. to the point where, as you acknowledge, with Premier Access, Disney are delivering movies straight away, but you might have to pay on top of. But by the time you got four tickets and popcorn and stuff, you're ahead. You know, Absolutely. like just dive in and do that. What I'm uh, I'm seeing is really interesting is that that um, – that window between first and second round releases is closing significantly. So Jungle Cruise in Australia only came out, I'm going to say, two weeks ago maybe at the cinema. It could be a little bit more. Um, it was same day and date on the streaming service, wasn't it? it Premier Access, yes. Yeah. But it's now available on demand. Like in, in the last week, it's become available. Oh, really? So it's like a 40, 30-day, 45-day window now. So it's shrinking significantly. And I'm going to throw you another one. The new Ryan Reynolds movie, Free Guy, um, which was uh, – and by the way, same with The Suicide Squad. It's now available on demand and it's still wow. in cinemas in Australia. Yeah. Um, and it's only been out for two or three weeks. Um, but Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds, um, is coming to Disney Plus, not on Premier Access, as first release before the end of the month, um, beating it wow. before it gets to cinemas in Australia. Wow. wow. And, and what about the or new Marvel? Almost same time. And what about the new Marvel film? Because that's out in cinemas, but it's not Shang on Chi. Disney Premier. Yeah, it's not on Disney Premier Access at no. the moment. Um they haven't made noises about that yet. I think they're basically testing the waters. The problem that just that the waters in Australia for the cinemas is just murky. That'll pop up mm. on Disney in no time, only because you can't go to the cinema in the two biggest markets in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's fascinating. And we did it. Look, I would have watched Jungle Cruise at home, but we did it as a big Father's Day thing. In fact, uh, Robbo and Abby came with the family uh, as we went to. I didn't try cinemas. any funny stuff. Let's They're just put that out there. All right. Anyway, so it would be weird if you did try funny stuff. <laughs> I um, wasn't yawning. I didn't do the yawn and the old arm over <laughs> anyone. Stretch. I promise. Yeah. I think you had my kids on either side. I was going to say, Rob's so kids are pretty <laughs> And that beard, yeah. mate, we need to talk to you about your whole look because it's starting to get weird with the yawn and stretching kids. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> but he'll he'll shave for the uh, for the boxes. The boxes, yeah. Um, so yeah, look, it it, it 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 was a great movie. I love Kevin Kniff himself. We're watching Harry Potter five at the moment because we're going through all the Harry Potter films. Yes, newsreader. Uh, I'm now, you know, I, I occasionally go from show to show for my five-minute blocks over lunch and something, stuff like that. I was doing, I've pretty much done every episode of 8 out of 10 Cats I can find yep. on um, all the streaming services, uh, Amazon Prime, SBS On Demand and BritBox. If there are more 8 out of 10 Cats, like if it's on 
Foxtel or anything like that, please let me know because I just devour that. And I'd like something that's more recent than 2014. It's a great <laughs> show, but I I really just can't get enough of it. Really loving it. And the countdown version of that, of course. I've got to tell you, I am done with Question Everything. It's now on my can't-be-bothered wow. list. Yeah. Um, just like the cheap seats, I gave them a go. I hung in there, but I'm done. Hung it's... in there. It only had the third episode last week. Yeah. <laughs> That's me hanging in there. Hung in there. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're lucky if I get through 10 minutes if I don't like a show. The, the thing is, Gruen is a lesson in marketing and it's clever and it has experts to talk and analyse it. This is just lecturing me. It's just throwing smart-ass comments. And there are laugh-out-loud moments, don't get me wrong, but it's it's got the depth of of the shallow end of the baby's pool, you know, and and then the fransplaining. Seriously, she has great information, but it ends it with a lecture on what I'm doing wrong. You know what? Give me this great information, but don't tell me what to do. Treat me like an adult and allow me to make my own decisions. You can, Rob. Don't tell me, you shouldn't be doing this. Because you can blah, make blah, your blah, own blah, decisions. Blah. You don't have to All listen right, to Jan Granny. Friend. Sorry? You can make your own decisions. You don't have to listen to Jan Friend. I think that's his point. He's not going to be listening to her anymore. Exactly. <laughs> and by the way, please don't get me wrong. I think Jan Fran is brilliant. I think the it's format struggles because there is no definitive host. It's like Gruen, Will's in the middle doing his thing, but oh shit, I've got to throw over to Jan Fran because she's my co-host. It's an ill-defined concept. I, I think it has so much potential, but yes, get some funny people in. And, and and I like the fact they're trying out new content. But if you're going to deconstruct the news and what they're doing, like Gruen, why don't we talk about why they're doing that? Why is the news promoting something a certain way? Why is it covering it a certain way? It's not doing that. It's just trying to do setups and, and say, look, we're breaking it down. We're, you know, like we're coming up with, we're showing you how this is wrong. But it's not actually providing the analysis of Gruen and that's what it misses and that's why it'll never be as big as Gruen. It never purports and that's why to provide a, analysis of the news. They're comedians on the panel. They're not But that's the choice you, of the producers. Yeah, because whereas, it's a comedy show. It's not. So it's Gruen. It, no, it's not. No. Gruen is not a comedy show. It is a vehicle, as you said, that talks about the sex and helps us understand the advertising industry and uses comedy. This is a comedy panel show that's talking about the news. Well, I think it's. I think the concept is wrong then, and it doesn't work, mate. Uh, three episodes. You're a brave man. Um, I, I thought actually with that third episode, it really started to hit its straps, mate. I'm the ge- sorry on that, Mark. I've just got to say, I'm the general public. The general public is not going to say, well, to be fair to the show, Politely, we need to Rob, give it six episodes public, before we make our decision. However, I understand decision. what you're saying. Hmm. Good day. Okay, <laughs> let's go to our guest. Robbo, what have you been watching? I've been watching The Goldbergs on yes. Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. I love this love show. So I, I saw a lot of clips on Facebook Watch and I could not really get into it. And then I've started doing it and I can't stop watching it. It is a really fun... It's an 80s uh, warm hug, isn't it? It's. It really is. As soon as I saw the Ghostbusters logo, I'm like, all right, 
I'm in here. It's it's a brilliant show. Also, I'm watching Thirty Rock for I think the four thousandth time. <laughs> I literally just do that in a loop. I finish the season, then start again. But that's what I'm watching. Not unreasonable. And what about you, Monkey? I'm watching a fair bit. Uh, unlike uh, our esteemed colleague, I thought that the third episode of um, Christian Everything actually really hit its straps, and it's quite good. That's on the ABC on Wednesday nights at eight thirty. Tune in, friends. Um, <laughs> I've been uh, a bit. Across the kind of the channels, checking stuff out, uh, I have um, uh, I finished the newsreader some time ago, but the episodes that we're seeing right now are the meaty, meaty part of this series. Uh, I'm really enjoying RFDS on Seven, two great Australian dramas, and Wentworth in its final season. Each episode, each week is a banger. Uh, that's on Fox Showcase. That when that ends, it will be a shame, but you know that it's going to go down with almost everybody dying. It's just going to go up in flames. <laughs> Um, because it just has to. That's Wentworth has to end itself in that way. Um, I have been enjoying a few things on the streamers and and via preview. I finished off Rosehaven, the final season, which is uh, nine o'clock on Wednesday night on the ABC, and it, it's it's just delightful. What a gorgeous little series this has been. Five seasons. I've got to catch up on that series. It's 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 quirky. You won't like it, Rob, because it, it's interesting. No, I do like um, it. I've seen the first series and loved it. Thank you very much. That's Mom. great. It's good to hear that you got a little bit of taste tucked away in there. Um, it is, it, and it just is is delightful to see Luke McGregor and Emmy uh, uh, Celia Picola's writing and mature across those five seasons and their stories. The way they've brought it together is gorgeous, and they unashamedly in this final season just did each episode is their version of stuff that they love. So there's a whodunit crime episode, you know. There's a yeah, they Celia loves animals, so they set one story around an animal shelter farm that they had to sell, and she just got to carry teacup pigs and pat dogs, and <laughs> it's pretty amazing. That's um, this week's episode. It's good. It's so delightful. Um, I previewed uh, the latest American crime story um, uh, set up, Impeachment, all about the Monica Lewinsky-Bill Clinton oh, yeah. situation. And I'm, I'm a bit of an American political wonk. It, it just, mate, Ryan Murphy, all of the money is on the screen, but Jesus, get a script editor. Cut that shit down. It just gets dragged and dragged and dragged out. Other people like may love it. Like an episode of TV Black Box. Yeah, about <laughs> Other people may love it when it lands on Binge and Fox One. Um, I think it's out, or oh, now it comes next week, I think. Um, your, look, your experience may vary. Some of the lookalikes are great. I thought the, the performance of Sarah Paulson as um, uh, the woman in the Linda Tripp is actually pretty compelling. Um, the, the lady that is playing Monica Lewinsky does a pretty amazing job too. And she doesn't look half, like she's pretty close to looking like her. Um, the guy who plays Bill Clinton does a bit of heavy lifting with some prosthetics, but he does all right. Um, look, I just, I'm not sure I'll finish it. I got through eight episodes kind of waiting for it to go. Here's the Ryan Murphiness of it. And it just never came. So I was disappointed. Um, you might dig it, get into it. Two things that I've absolutely loved, um, the moth effect. Jazz Twemlow and Nick Boshia's comedy series on Amazon Prime Video. Um, all six episodes are available for you to watch. There's some really funny sketches on that, like good writing, good performance. Kate Box, Mark Humphreys, Nick and Jazz. And in the final episode, and there's been a lot of press about it, um, Vincent D'Onofrio and Bobby Cannavale. Um, wow. In this, this interrogation kind of scenario, it's really funny. I watch that. Really funny. And the fact that they're doing it is amazing. Um, yeah. D'Onofrio was doing the press this week and he said, I think it's the first time I've done comedy. He should do more. It was pretty great. 
The other thing I want to alert you to, it lands on Apple TV this week. It is the Broadway cast performance recording of Come From Away. Now, this week we acknowledge that it is 20 years since the 9-11 absolute horrendous tragedy that occurred in New York. This is a musical about a small town called Gander, uh, on an island in the region of Newfoundland in Canada that had an international airport because back in the day, you couldn't fly from England to the US. You had to stop somewhere and fuel up, and this was the first place you could get to. So on 9-11, 38 planes full of international visitors and Americans and stuff landed in Gander. The town of 7,000 swelled to 16,000. Um, and they had to feed them and care for them and house them and do everything for about four days before the planes were allowed to take off. Every plane was grounded, and that's where they ended up. And this is the story of that town. And mm. the people who got off the planes and the people who cared for them, it will fill your heart. I'd never seen it before seeing this this performance. It is delightful. I've downloaded the Broadway cast recording. It's on repeat in my ears uh, when I get a spare moment. Come from away. It just looks amazing, and it's an incredible memory of a time that if you are older than 24, you remember uh, and remember what it meant to you. It, it's just incredible. That's on Apple TV Plus this week. It just, it just shows the makeup of this panel with um, Mog watching that fabulous uh, show and me watching Australia's Sexiest Tradies. <laughs> what, what, what a panel we have. You're all class, Aaron. <laughs> hey, before we go, a bit of an update. So I didn't see the second half of Estimates yesterday when they were doing the media inquiry. Um, Tim Burrows has told me that Nerida O'Loughlin from ACMA went on after lunch and he says to raised eyebrows, she told the hearing that they do have the power to launch their own investigations, but they rarely use it. The last time was to look at coverage of the Christchurch mosque attack. So interestingly, what Kevin Rudd said wasn't right, if I've heard him correctly. And, you know, he's saying that ACMA said they couldn't launch their own investigations, but as I said, they could. That has been backed up by Tim's reporting of what Nerida O'Loughlin said. Don't forget Tim's book, Media Unmade, is available. Uh, it's a good book. I bring that up. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Plug. And fair to bring it up. I'm just being a smartass about giving a plug. The interesting thing is, Rob, and, and all of that is to play out from um, the inquiry and ACMA and who, what they can and can't do. I think our point still stands that they can open or yeah. they can't, whatever just doesn't mean a whole bunch when they do sure all right that brings us to the end of another episode of tv black box robo thank you for joining us this week and thank you very much for having me boys lovely to be with you <laughs> aaron and mark we will see you next week don't forget for all the latest news go to tvblackbox.com.au it's where people in the industry get their news hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.